So what's the first memory that comes to mind when you think of Bloomberg's time in City Hall? Well, I'll tell you, there's so many of them because Mayor Bloomberg obviously had a major impact on the development of the city during his uh, his 12-year tenure. But I would think that the um, the his major impact was in what I would call the branding and building of the luxury city. That under Bloomberg, uh, New York was really turned into this experiment, this neoliberal experiment in not only privatization of government, but in turning the city into a place that was hospitable to people with money and uh, uh, and uh, high-level skills and was inhospitable to the, uh, the original residents of the city, the working class communities and uh, people of color and, uh, and immigrants. So it became a really difficult city uh, for for ordinary working class New Yorkers to continue to uh, to live in. In fact, one of the things I, uh, I mentioned in my book, Reclaiming Gotham, was that even during the Giuliani era, which was, of course, marked by great crackdowns, uh, uh, in the, the police, uh, police abuse uh, by, uh, uh, by the Giuliani administration, by his police department against the black and Latino community, the um, during the Giuliani era, the median rents in the city increased by a little less than two percent. Right, while in the period that Bloomberg was in office, from about uh, two, uh, 2000 2014, uh, rents jumped by eighteen percent, and that's across the entire city. So when you get into particular gentrifying neighborhoods like Harlem and sections of Brooklyn, rents increased by thirty percent in that period. So really, the city became increasingly unaffordable, and I, I, I'll never forget my good friend Luis Gardner Costa, who who, who ran uh, the Ed Puente program for many years before his uh, uh, his tragic death uh, just about a year ago. Luis was also the co-chair of uh, Citizens Union, and he, he recounted to me a story that he had a meeting with uh, Mayor Bloomberg once about this whole issue of affordable housing and what was the city doing uh, to allow low-income people and moderate-income people to remain in the city. And he was stunned to hear Bloomberg tell him, well, if they can't afford it, they're just going to have to move. That was his attitude. It was a completely cavalier attitude when it came to the needs of working people and uh, and moderate-income people. So the mayor, former mayor, claims credit for a lot of great achievements during his 12-year tenure. And I'm curious, is there anything you feel he does deserve praise for? Oh yes, there are definitely advances that he made, certainly in uh, in in public health issues, uh, in getting, for instance, uh, uh, getting rid of smoking in in, in restaurants and, and bars and other public facilities, in uh, in uh, appointing a fairly good uh, health commissioner uh, who uh, really place an emphasis on public health and preventative health. Uh, he certainly did. Uh, he, he deserves credit for that. He deserves credit for really moving the city uh, uh, off of increasingly off of fossil fuels, the, the bus system he increasingly uh, turned the, the bus system away from use, using uh, uh, from using from oil or diesel uh, fired buses in creating bike lanes, starting the whole process of creating bike lanes and weaning the city off of the motor vehicles, 
Uh, in those areas, he definitely deserves uh, credit. But the problem is that the, his policies, especially in terms of the privatization of government and this, this blind faith in the ability of technology to solve all of the problems of, of managing uh, public government, really created enormous problems for uh, service deliveries. Uh, I, I'm, I think of my, my favorite, I forget the name of it now, uh, uh, they had, oh, the system was called NICE. Uh, and it was uh, in the Public Housing Authority, a computerized system to deal with all maintenance problems uh, that was centralized. Uh, all of any complaints that public housing tenants had, you had to, you had to call or contact a particular number, uh, and um, and they would they would provide you service. The problem was it was so centralized uh, and and so useless of a system that it turned out there were three, four, and five-year backlogs for tenants to get any kind of service uh, from NYCHA. Uh, so uh, this, and this was just a huge, expensive computer system, the, the NICE system, as there were many computer systems. Uh, the most infamous, of course, was CityTime, uh, the payroll system that the Bloomberg administration introduced that turned out to be a cesspool of corruption, and uh, $700 million boondoggle that eventually brought in... Uh, uh, the federal, the federal prosecutor, uh, Preet Bharara, to have to arrest uh, about a dozen of city computer consultants and uh, and force the company to return to the city five hundred million dollars. But there were many others of these computerized technology systems that the Bloomberg administration brought in, many of whom turned out to be complete failures. So the previous mayor, Rudy Giuliani, had poisonous relations with the Latino, in particular the black community. Did Bloomberg repair some of that damage? Bloomberg repaired some of the damage with the leadership because, for instance, Giuliani wouldn't even meet with certain uh, African-American leaders, uh, whereas Bloomberg was always willing to meet with them and to discuss issues with them. But while he attempted to do a much better public relations job with the African-American and Latino community, uh, uh, he, his police department actually uh, ramped up uh, the stop-and-frisk approach and the broken windows uh, approach to policing that had started under Giuliani and, uh, and Giuliani's uh, commissioner, Mayor Bratton. So Bloomberg's police commissioner, Ray Kelly, just ramped it up even further to the point that the police were stopping more than 700,000 young blacks and Latinos per year uh, and, uh, and in terrorizing, basically terrorizing uh, the black and Latino communities. And uh, so uh, in that sense, Bloomberg attempted a much better public relations job, but the substance of the policing policies uh, w- did not change at all. So his successor, Bill de Blasio, has faced harsh scrutiny for mixing campaign fundraising with official decision-making. Bloomberg, as he will often point out, has never had to raise a cent from anyone else to run for office. Did that give us cleaner government when he was mayor? Uh, no, I don't believe so. I think uh, Bloomberg has always said that he would not be holding to special interests. Well, Bloomberg was his own special interest. <laughs> he, he, he could not be bought because he was buying everything. Uh, you know, I think people forget the, amount, the immense amount of money he spent to become uh, mayor. Uh, I think in his first election uh, campaign, he spent about 
$85 million. He spent another $75 million the second time around. He spent $109 million for his third run for, for a mayor. So he spent a quarter of a billion dollars of his own money just to be uh, elected mayor of New York. And that's only the money that he directly spent on his campaign, because throughout his time in office, his foundation was giving out about $100 million a year to a variety of nonprofits uh, in New York City. There was not a nonprofit that wasn't getting money, an anonymous donation of 100000 or 75000 from the, uh, the Bloomberg uh, philanthropies. So he was not only spending huge amounts to be directly elected, he was actually uh, giving money. Uh, to nonprofits to buy goodwill. I'm, I'm the most famous of which I, call, I remember, I recall when he was trying to get the city charter changed by the city council to allow him to run for mayor for a third time because he was term limited. Uh, he gave a million dollars to Abyssinian Baptist Church, uh, uh, to, um, uh, to Calvin Butts' organization, and, uh, apparently to curry favor to get Calvin Butts to convince the Harlem City Council member to vote uh, in favor of ending uh, term limits so that he could run for mayor. So this was happening on a massive scale, this attempt to buy goodwill, to buy image. And, of course, it's happening now with the presidential campaign with these enormous amounts of money that he's spending not only on his television commercials, but also on paying young people on social media, social media influencers, uh, these huge sums of money just to promote his campaign. It's astonishing the level of outright attempt to buy votes uh, that, uh, that this that this uh, that Michael Bloomberg is involved right now. So as you mentioned, he's running for the White House now and he's embraced some new progressive causes. He's uh, released uh, some employees from non-disclosure agreements. He's apologized for stop and frisk. Do you think we're seeing a different guy than the one who ran New York City for nearly 4,400 days? No, I don't think so. I think he, he understands that he had to change certain positions to be able to 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 convince some Democratic voters to to vote for him. Uh, so uh, I don't believe that any of those changes or those apologies are sincere. Um, however, it's it's definitely positive that he's changed some some uh, policies. Uh, and uh, but I think that for the most part, Michael Bloomberg is running as a technocrat, uh, as someone who believes that he can manage government better. And I think all you have to do is look at the record of his uh, of his management of New York City government, especially the enormous waste of money, uh, and also the issue of privatization. You know, one of the, the most galling aspects of his mayoralty, which I covered extensively, was his attempt to privatize uh, one of the biggest public parks uh, in, in uh, New York City, Randall's Island, where he essentially concocted a a deal with all the private, the wealthy private schools to rebuild Randall's Island, but uh, just to have them, the schools pay for it, and the schools basically have all of the best playing times on 65 ball fields that were going to be all totally renovated. And it became a textbook example of a public official turning a public park into a private preserve. 
he wasn't able to fully execute that plan because he was stopped in the courts uh, and by opposition and city council. But yet today, Randall's Island still is effectively privatized. The tennis center that they've established, which is supposedly a tennis center, is so expensive that very few people from uh, average New Yorkers can use it. The, the, the stadium, the Icon Stadium, is largely used for ex- very expensive concerts. Again, extremely expensive concerts that only wealthy New Yorkers uh, can't afford to go to. And so it's increasingly been privatized. Uh, and, uh, and the people of East Harlem, which is the only community connected to it directly, uh, are increasingly shut out from being able to use it. So this is the this is the his form, his understanding of what good management in government is, uh, is trying to figure out ways to privatize uh, public services as much as possible. The same thing happened with Union Square Park, with Madison Square Park, all these public parks. You know, Union Square Park used to be the place where labor unions and uh, other other community groups would gather. Today, Union Square Park. It's so privatized, it's difficult to have any kind of a public rally there anymore. Uh, there's, there's a big restaurant in it now. The section that was left for, uh, that was supposed to be for the neighborhood kids to use is dramatically reduced. And this has happened in parks after park all over, especially Manhattan. Uh, and it is a part of this entire neoliberal approach to privatizing public spaces. So a couple, uh, and of course Hudson Hudson Yards. Uh, let me not leave out Hudson Yards, which of course is the the crowning achievement of the Bloomberg administration when it comes to economic development. Is this the actual privatization of a huge section of Manhattan turned into its own uh, its own revenue tax revenue system uh, that all the private property taxes in Hudson Yards now go to the Hudson Yards Infrastructure Corporation instead of going into the city coffers, and is an attempt to create a new Battery Park City uh, right in the middle of uh, Midtown Manhattan. 